0: This is Laura Evans in Santa Fe, New Mexico, interviewing Ryan Feddersen in Tacoma, Washington on September 10, 2020 for the Smithsonian Institution Archives of American Art Pandemic Project. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? Um, doing well considering, you know. Can you tell me about what these last few weeks and months have been like for you? Well, um refer
1: to it sometimes as time soup. Um it's been a kind of a weird um it's, it's been it's it's been a you know strange isolating thing to live through. Um I already worked from home and um my uh husband works with me as a kind of studio manager so we um our day-to-day working lives have not changed very much. Um, And uh, even though my background has initially been in um, interactive, temporary artworks in, like, museum um, and public settings, I've recently moved into primarily public art, which has really long timelines um, and, you know, is being run by municipalities and organizations that don't pause for anything. So um, I've just been working away on, on those projects and
0: trying to stay focused. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting that you're working in public art have there been um, impacts from that from COVID or from the, the social unrest around Black Lives Matter? Um COVID doesn't has not had a lot
1: of effect on any of the, the art projects I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um lot, like I said, a lot of the schedules are kind of long. Some of them are the longest one out is 2023, others are 2021 one. Um, so uh, while there is a lot of time, there's also been like there's been no um the the expectation is is no change. The expectation is full productivity as if nothing is any different. (laughs) Which sometimes you can manage and sometimes you can't because you can only control what you yourself can control. And there's a lot right now that we don't have um, a lot of understanding of what's going to happen. So, um, Largely so far, I've been able to really uh, mitigate impacts But the the conversation with uh, Black Lives Matter and specifically around how monuments and uh, memorials and public art projects have been used to um, commemorate white supremacy um, and to commemorate um, colonialism and imperialism uh, has been coming up a lot. And it's something that I think about with why I wanted to get into public art specifically is that there's you know this this history of art being used as a tool for government and religious propaganda, but this is a tool that that we have that we can use to be a part of the conversation, and I wanted to um, kind of leverage my skills to to talk to like a larger community and to create subversive messaging that becomes part of these like a uh, public, public discourse and the, the history of our, our public values, which as we can see over time, um, there's been a lot of not, not even necessarily like covert um, use of public monuments to celebrate violence and inequality. And we have the opportunity to make counterstatements.
0: Um, in what ways has your work changed as a result of what's going on right now?
1: Um, well, in some ways it was already changing uh, I became, I was known for work that was touchable and interactive. And so that, of course, has, has to change. Um, I actually had an exhibit at the Tacoma Art Museum that opened a month before COVID uh, closed it that had a 72-foot interactive um, mural that was contemporary coyote stories. Um, and of course, that can't re- reopen safely um, in this situation. And so I'm rethinking those types of projects. And I think that we'll be rethinking those kinds of things that involve uh, community through touch um, for a long time. But I had already been trying to shift into permanent works to things that were interactive without requiring touching or affecting. Because I think that interactivity is a wonderful way to communicate on a very visceral level and to um, have people understand really complex ideas by using action to complete um, metaphors and symbolism. And so that's a part that I, something that I I utilize in my work that I really wanted to continue, but then thinking about how do you reformat that when people can't touch it? Um, So I'd already been kind of exploring different options um, where people's uh, motion or action or positioning um, kind of like, or instigates the, the piece or the action. Like, I'm working with a piece where uh, that on environmental personhood for the Portland um, airport. And when you look from one vantage, it appears that you're looking at portraits of the landscape. But then um, through lenticular optical illusion, when you become perpendicular, a giant eye appears and looks back at you, both pr- protectively but also like confrontationally. Like as we look at the land, the land looks back at us. We are not we are not unseen. But so it has this element of surprise and action, but you don't have to touch it to get that. You're able to um, interact in a different way. I'm sorry, I keep shaking my table.
0: Stop leaning on it. <laughs> are there other projects work. where um, some uh, some way that they're executed has had to change um, not yet
1: um, I think that the the biggest impact was the closure of the, the show in Tacoma which was it was sad after that um, kind of amount of work and like production cost, you know, going into something and then for it to come down. Um, but it's it's not a big deal. Um, but for public art, everything I was working on right now um, can kind of just keep going as it, as it was planned. Um, I was working on a master's in curatorial practice because I wanted to um, continue to support my community by um, being a part of making new and interesting opportunities for Native artists to work in. Um, but it was an international program and no one wants an American traveling <laughs> to their country oh. right now. <laughs> so so I, I, I decided to uh, defer and um, rejoin once I can feel good about physically joining the class. Oh.
0: So they're not adapting by doing virtual classes.
1: No, um, the class has people from uh, Norway, Germany, Denmark, Singapore, um, et cetera, and some people, like in Norway, they have, you know, less total cases than we get in a day. So <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't have. They don't have to, or they believe at this point they don't have to change. Um, And it's just a few of us can't not change, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's an awkward thing that everyone's trying to figure out is, like, how much do you just keep going on and hoping that you'll be able to uh, figure things out later? And how much do you truly reformat and commit to Doing what we have to do in this moment. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like things are are going just fine in the the, the professional realm. How about um, how's it affected your personal life, your family, your household, your community? Um.
1: Well, uh, I was very. I'm very glad that I moved to Tacoma. We. I lived in Seattle until about three years ago and decided to move to um Tacoma so that I could have a a studio space on the property. Um and uh it's been it's been it's been wonderful being being on the property more and getting to garden with my husband and we've got plum trees and we spent yesterday making wine. Um And so, on a a personal level, like I'm, you know, I'm very privileged to be in a beautiful space with a, getting to live with a loved one or three, if you count my cats. Um, I have gotten to see family recently, which was really nice. Um, It had been at the beginning, I completely didn't see family at all because my my you know my dad's 70 and my mom is a cancer survivor. Um, and so quite, quite recent. So um, having more exposure than them made it really uh, could, I didn't see them for, for months. But then where they lived had a much, much higher rate of infection and I quarantined myself and, and I got to spend some time with my mom and sister and, and father. And It really makes you realize how much you take for granted just like the ability to spend time with your loved ones. Um, I will not waste as much time as I did when, 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 we can, you know, when we can celebrate together again.
0: I was wondering if there are some things um, that you're observing or experiencing that you think might be missing from current accounts of the crises
1: Um, on a day to day level. Um, I think that, you know, like support in community. Um, I think it's brought us closer together with our, with our physical neighbors. Um, because we're, you know, we're here and talking to each other more about like what's going on. And since we're so limited, um, I think that that kind of like community support isn't always a part of the conversation because there's so much um you know so much terrible going on that it can be hard to um enjoy the the things that are also beautiful but beyond that on a larger scale uh a piece that's not enough part of the conversation is that this isn't doesn't affect everyone Equally, and I also I say that as a person who's you know doing quite quite well with like working from home and being with loved ones, but this has been a period of time when a amazing amount of wealth has transferred up, where the rich are getting wealthier than they ever have been, and the conversation is about unemployment employment, not about, um, not about employers and not about like workers' rights and labor rights. And the fact that we are not just resources to be exploited and tossed away, but that there should be a symbiotic relationship where, um, people are taken care of and supported, but That's not how we frame these conversations. We tend to frame them only towards one side and it often ends in the side where people are more powerless. We talk about homelessness, but not in the same sentence as we talk about golden parachutes, but they're completely related and intertwined. Um, Unregulated wealth growth creates um, inequity and problems for people in communities that are never even meet i like I've, I've never even met a truly like wealthy person like we're so completely segregated um, and I think that more of our conversation at this time should be about like what's happening at the top with people who are controlling these resources what are they what are they getting away with right now how much are they how much are they looting from the public coffers and um what can we do about it for systemic change?
0: Do you have any suggestions? (laughs) Um, Not one I'm going to say on a (laughs) Contact you privately. (laughs) Just kidding. how do you feel about the space you're quarantined in and um, your your sense of home and um, in your studio right now? I'm um, definitely, like,
1: I'm fairly new to this space, but, uh, like I said, I moved um, just under three years ago now, uh, eight months of it has been in quarantine here, or in stay at home. Um, And so for me, it's actually been like a time of like bonding with this space. And I had never, I haven't had a period where I haven't traveled in a long time to like actually just like be only in one place. It made me realize how disruptive traveling was, even though um, there was always like an allure about learning about new places and people. Um, But it's been, it's been nice being home and we're getting a lot more productivity out of our out of our land and out of our um fruit trees and um growing more of our own own food which is um using this extra time to be more productive for ourselves um is also um has
0: been a positive experience um what what do you miss and what do you look forward to? Um,
1: I never thought I would say this, it's so out of character for me, but I do miss hugging friends. I miss uh, the fact that we, like we can't touch people and that you can sometimes see people, but you can't be intimate. Uh, I, miss, I miss hosting, I miss being a good host Because that, you know, that spirit of generosity to those you love is so satisfying and it's hard keeping a distance. Um, So I'm looking forward to when we can spend time with each
0: other again without having to be so careful. Are there things going on now that are, are helping satisfy at least partly some of, of those um, longings for connection either with artistic community or your, your, your physical community that you're in right now or your cultural community? Um, some of lot, a lot of those things. Um, I
1: hadn't done any like social Zoom calls Um, I've had to do a little bit of like meeting this way before. Now everybody wants to do them all the time for business. I'm doing like 14 a week sometimes. Um, But I hadn't done any socially. And so um, it has been nice to like reconnect with friends
0: who... Uh Uh-oh, it froze. Now you froze. No, I, I heard you. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're back. <laughs>
1: um, I, yeah, connecting with people who are farther away has been something that I've started doing now that I didn't used to before. And it's been nice connecting with both friends who live across the country and in some cases making new friends across the world. Um, we started a a D&D game with some people in New Zealand. Um, and then when they got out of quarantine, they're like, see ya. <laughs> but that, was, uh, that was a lot of, um, that was really nice. And I also did a, a virtual residency with um, that uh, UBC Kelowna was co-organizing with OCAD, And it brought together 100 artists um, virtually. It, it, it had been planned as a physical residency, and then they reformatted with their master's classes and then brought in invited artists to participate and be part of the discussions. And um, I, re- I really realized that there's a lot of opportunity in um, virtual connections. Like I, I felt like I got to know a lot of people and I got to know about their practices and got to kind of dig in in some ways that you, don't always get to in um, in in-person studio visits because people were generating so much content. Um, So I think that that was a a productive art community experience for sure.
0: Fabulous, that's great. Um, I wanna really thank you for joining me here today to talk about how things are going. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. All right, have a wonderful evening. All right. Well.